0: Hi, praise the Lord. So glad you are joining us here tonight as we continue this theme of festivities and celebrations. And I hope you've enjoyed so far all the festivals. There's quite a bit in the scriptures actually. Um, and the one I want to look at is one that might have been practiced a few times, but probably wasn't practiced very often in um, in the scriptures. Um, but it's a very, very interesting festival and celebration that God gives to his people. Um, I'm going to go and look into Leviticus uh, chapter 25 verse 8 and we're just going to kind of read through that. And Again, I'm reading the net version. Um, Verse 8, you must count off the seven weeks of years, seven times seven years and the days of the seven weeks of years will amount to 49 years. Now, what is it talking about, these seven years? So every sixth, every seventh year was a year of Sabbath where the land was allowed to rest and um, people were to give the land a rest. And also you stopped working. You just didn't work for a year. Um, You went, of course, you got whatever the land produced, uh, but you gave the land rest, a break. And what's awesome is that God would make sure that there was enough to get you through the Sabbath. So There was enough food and produce to get you through the sabbath Um, and then seven of these cycles of these sabbaths ultimately would come to the 49th year that's what it's talking about now we're going to to verse 9 you must sound a loud horn blast in the seventh month on the tenth day of the month on the day of atonement you must sound a horn in the entire day land the day of atonement that is the most sacred day in the israelite calendar it's it's the day where the priest is able to go into a tabernacle into the holies of holies and offer this sacrifice uh for the people of israel um and it was you know an unblemished um uh, an unblemished sacrifice so it's this very sacred day but it's the 50th year so you must consecrate the 50th year, I'm reading verse 10, and you must proclaim a release in the land from all of its inhabitants. That year will be a year of jubilee. Each one of you must return to his property, and each one of you must return to his clan. What would happen is as you work the farm, let's just say you had a couple of bad seasons, something happened, you weren't able to, you went into debt. Eventually, you had to sell yourself as an indentured servant. Um, and you just worked for this particular person until so you were to pay off all your debt or for however. But the, year, the Jubilee would release you from that. And all those indentured servants and man slaves and female servants and all those would be released to go back to their original tribes. Uh, remember the, the tribes of Israel. Each one had a very particular part of Canaan, the land of Israel. Um, they were to go back to that land where they originally came from and start all over kind of very interesting that 50 year will be a year of jubilee you must not sow the land harvest its aftergrowth or pick the grapes of its unpruned vines because that year is a jubilee it will be holy to you you may eat its produce from the field so it is a very it's a year of release it's a it's where debts are cleaned and you don't owe anything. Now, what happens if, let's just say, you come home and your spouse tells you, hey, all your credit card debt has disappeared and the mortgage is paid off and the cars are all yours and there are no more medical bills anymore and everything is just completely paid off. Oh, it's the year of Jubilee. That's right, I forgot about that. It was a way to rebalance the system because with sin, the world we live in is out of balance. And people, due to misfortune or just lack of <laughs> lack of hard work, whatever it might be, I, I think it's the latter, not the latter, but I think it's the former is that just misfortune, just the way kind of the dice to- throw into your life that you were not able to get the certain skills that you needed to kind of move forward. And um, and. So you kind of fall behind, and this was a way to kind of clean the slate and make things even again and have you go back to where you originally came from and start all over again. So it was a kind of way to clean the system and make sure that God's people were treated equally. It is this year of Jubilee, you must, must return to your property. Verse 13. Verse 14. if you make a sale to your fellow servant or buy from your fellow citizen, no one is to wrong his brother. So now, they, now it's going to go into detail about what does this mean if you own property? What does this mean if you owe somebody? And, you know, how does that all work out? But what's fascinating, well, the passage I want to look at is uh, verse 18. I'm sorry, verse 17. No one is to oppress his fellow citizen, but you must fear your God because I am the Lord your God. You must obey my statutes and my regulations, and you must be sure to keep them so that you may live securely in the land. The land belongs to God. And he makes sure everybody's treated fairly. And if for some reason things get out of balance, he rebalances them. It, they did not own the land. God owns the land, and He gave it to them. So this is not a very capitalistic view of, of 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 land ownership here, and it's also not a communist view because the people own the land. No, the people don't own the land, and you don't own the land. God owns the land, so it's a it's a very different viewpoint. He owns all of it, and He's giving it to them. He's reminding them, "I gave this to you. I brought you here. I brought." the clothes on your back I gave you it all remember that I am rebalancing this to make sure whatever misfortune happened would be taken care of now I want to read a, a statistic um, and then we'll, we'll dig deep into this but in 2008 U.S. households held over 113 trillion dollars in assets For context, that is five times as much as all the goods and services produced in the U.S. economy in a single year. If that amount were divided evenly across the U.S. population of the 329 million citizens, it would result in over $343,000 for each person. For a family of three, that's over a million dollars in assets. Of the $113 trillion in assets, The 1% of the wealthiest Americans own 40% of these assets. Sin naturally creates an out-of-balance where a few rise to the top and continue to gain wealth. And this was kind of God's way of making sure that people were treated the same. Making sure that there was a balancing act and whatever legitimate or illegitimate things might have happened, make sure that it's taken care of and watching after the most vulnerable in our society. However, there's a bigger here, something happening here is that this is not just talking about a redistribution. By the way, I'm not saying we all need to go, you know, burn people's houses and redistribute and all that stuff. That's not the case. Um, Because the the idea there in our political world is that the people own it. And that's not the case. Uh, God owns it. Um, That's what the scripture says. That's not what I'm talking about. I I just want to demonstrate how out of balance our world is because of sin it's out of balance people are left behind people are not able to move forward and that's why the scriptures are so clear to take care of the most vulnerable the widows and the children like that's that is a that's a big thing in the scriptures why is it always the widows and the children the widows and the orphans the widows and the orphans what is that all, why why all those people god because those in biblical times were the most vulnerable people were the widows and the orphans they were always starving and that's why these these measures were put into place to to protect the most vulnerable But there was also a bigger reason. It was also a foreshadow of things to come. And it's talking about the coming Messiah. Because on the Day of Atonement, you brought your sacrifice, your unblemished sacrifice, and you offered it up to God. And he would consume it with the fire. And your sins were good for a year. And then... This jubilee happens and everything is just wiped clean. And then kind of the world gets out of balance once again. But there was coming a day where that would be taken care of. A day where all sin would be wiped clean by one sacrifice. It's a pretty big day. People always say, oh, why does you know, our, our calendar system, it's 2000 AD, and you know, why does it matter? Of course, it was a bit off, but, but that was a big day. That was a pivotal day where I did not have to worry and look at a list of animals and see what sins I have committed. Did I get a pigeon? I mean, what, kind, what was the sin here? Is it a pigeon? Do I have to get a guinea pig and take this before the temple so I can be made whole and clean and God can forgive me? And I mean, it was this entire ritualistic system. And do I go to the discount place? Do I go to the local Costco's to get my pigeon, or do I get it at the temple? And they're going to charge me an arm and a leg because it's convenience. And and I mean, this this capitalist system was already developing around the temple system. And this again, I'm not against capitalism. I'm just I'm just telling you how it all developed and. He came and he took care of that and he wiped everything clean and he forgave you of all of these sins so that you and I can boldly go before him. That we can ask for his forgiveness and it can be forgiven. Because when he died, it changed everything. You know, we have, this isn't an Easter message, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fundamental part of the Christian message is what Jesus did on Calvary had massive ramifications for us today. And that we have full trust and confidence that we are forgiven. And if we do something, if we happen to do something, we can go before him. That's huge. That's huge. We don't understand it because we've been living with it for so long. And we're so accustomed to it that to us, it doesn't seem that big of a deal. But it is a big deal. I mean, I've always wondered how life would have been if I lived before Jesus came. When I had to go to the temple or before I even knew God. I mean, before God was revealed. and I mean, how was that like? thank God he came for you and I and thank God he paid for it all because while we were yet sinners Christ died for you and for me he died for it all the year of jubilee here's the sad thing about this um, this amazing celebration that I love studying. There's so much um, theological richness in this celebration. What's sad is that most likely it was celebrated a few times, but after that, it really wasn't celebrated um, because people didn't want to give up their properties and people didn't want to release people. So power struggle, sin came in and destroyed that. But now it's here as a reminder of what God's original plan was, that we are all important in his sight. We are all the same. God does not care the amount of influence, the amount of wealth, the amount of exposure that one has. He cares just lonely you. He cares about you. And this is what an example it was that he wanted to make sure that things didn't get out of balance and he wanted to remind the children, I mean, he wanted to remind the Israelites that this is my land. I'm giving this to you because you guys are my children. I'm, I'm giving this to you so I can take care of you. And if things get out of balance, I make sure that everyone is taking care of the same. And that's the kind of God you serve. That's the kind of God I serve, is this God that he's not impressed. (laughs) He's not impressed by what you bring to the table. He's impressed just by you, lonely you, nothing else. You don't have to bring anything else to the table. He's impressed by you. And he wants to make sure you're taken care of. That's why he came. Do you know how much God loves you? Do you know how much influence you have with him? And how important you are to him? God cares for you. And if nobody listens to you and If you don't see, if you seem unimportant and if no one's vying for your vote because they feel that it doesn't matter what your vote is, God's always vying for your attention because he loves you. Everybody is equal in his eyes. The president and I are in the same playing field before God. And we both are going to be looked at equally before him. My engagement. Remind yourself what Calvary was all about. And that he loves you so much that he knew where you would be. He knew you'd be here today. And the things you're dealing with and you were on his mind. Well, you know, well, not everybody can't be on his mind. Oh, yes, oh, he's God. Oh, he, he knows everything about you. He knows your likes and your dislikes. He knows your temperaments. He knows your character. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your strengths. He knows what makes you happy. You think you know what, you, what makes you happy? No, 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 no. Jesus knows exactly what makes you happy. Society tells you what makes you happy. But Jesus knows what really makes you happy. What really makes you tick. Because that's how much he cares for you. Remind yourself this week. I got a God who's on my side. And no matter how how out of balance my life might get, he's here to rebalance me here to bring me back to a level playing field that's the god i serve jesus lord we're so grateful god that you came for us jesus that we were on your mind lord when you were in calvary that god we are still on your mind here in 2020 god you're always thinking of us you're always wanting our attention you're always wanting our devotion God I pray Jesus let us see how important we are to you Lord let us see how much you care for us and the plans you have for us let us see God the the greatness you have and and the wonderful things you have in store for us Jesus you are a god of hope and peace you're a god of joy and you want to bring God us God wholeness Lord I pray Jesus that let us realize the mighty God you are. And God, how much you want to bring our life into balance as the world, Lord, is out of balance, Jesus. It's so out of balance, Lord God. It's not even funny. And God, our life is out of balance, Jesus. Our our priorities have become out of balance, Jesus. Let there be a year of release, God, a, a jubilee in our personal lives where we are rebalanced, Lord God, where things are readjusted, God, and everything is just thrown to the side, Lord God, and you've brought us back to the playing field, brought us back to where it matters. Back to you, Jesus. God, I pray that you touch our congregation, touch our saints, Lord God, touch our brothers and our sisters, Jesus, and be with us, Lord God, during these interesting times. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. God is good. Let's get a hold of him. Let's get a hold of what he's trying to say. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to spending with you, spending more time with you as the week progresses.